ask you if you would take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of James. Still in the first chapter of the book of James. <clears throat> Let me remind you as uh, we begin reading uh, from James that uh, this is God's word. It's, it's inspired by him. And uh, he gave it to us so that we would know uh, his will for us, uh, so that we would know him. And uh, God is a God of words. He speaks and creation happens. And he speaks to us today and the new creation happens within us as we uh, read from his word and pray that the, as James has prayed, that the spirit would illumine our minds and uh, soften our hearts uh, from this word of God. And so this morning our text will be uh, James 1. We're going to be reading verses 13 through 18. And I would ask you if you're able, please stand together with me. James 1, beginning in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after, uh, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth uh, through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if uh, all the desires that we have to sin were gone? We didn't have those sorts of desires anymore. That would be, uh, I mean, if you're a Christian and you love the Lord and you want to do his will, it seems that that would be a strong desire of yours, a, a desire to, to never have any more sin in your life. But uh, it was just not the, the case that's, that's just not the way it happens with us. We still, is still, sin is still there. And uh, we experience temptations on a daily basis. Even the Apostle Paul dealt with temptations. Um, Romans chapter 7, where he's writing after being a Christian. He's already, uh, uh, he's concluding his third missionary journey. He's done all these amazing things for the Lord. And yet in Romans 7, we still see that he's struggling with, with sin. He says, what I, uh, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. There's the Apostle Paul speaking as a Christian. And maybe, maybe this morning you find that in your life as well. You, you uh, know what the Lord tells us is right and wrong, and, and you know you don't want to do those things anymore. And yet it just seems that uh, out of nowhere, temptation comes up and, and you're blindsided and there it is again, and you fall into it so often. 
Well, James has a message for us in that in this this morning. You remember this letter of James is probably the earliest New Testament book that was written, probably uh, quite possibly in the 40s, and uh, when the church was still predominantly Jewish, and uh, so he's writing to these Jewish Christians, and he is instructing them as a Christian, this is how you're supposed to live. This is what a Christian looks like. And so as we go through the book of, of James, we're looking at uh, how, what we're supposed to look like. What, what do we look like when we're in temptation? Uh, what do we look like when we uh, have all kinds of trials and troubles uh, come to us? What does a Christian look like when he gets into financial difficulties? What does he look like? And so this morning, uh, James is talking to us about what does it look like as a Christian when temptations come. And so this morning, uh, I want us to see uh, what he has to say to us about our struggle with temptations. First thing I want you to notice um, that we see here um, in verse uh, 13, he's uh, talking to us about where does this temptation come from? If you ever go to a counselor of any kind, um, one of the first things that they're going to do is try to determine, uh, in, in identifying your problem, they're going to try to identify the source of it. What is the source of your problem? What has caused it? Where is this problem coming from? In dealing with temptations in our lives, we need to first identify the source of those temptations. What causes me to be tempted in the first place? Many of you remember years ago, Flip Wilson famously said, the devil made me do it, right? Well, Flip wasn't the first one to say that either, was he? In fact, you can go all the way back to when the first temptation happens in the garden and Satan comes to the woman and he tempts her to take the forbidden fruit and she takes it and eats it and gives it to her husband. He eats it and, you know, the, the downhill slide that, that came on from that. Well, the Lord comes walking in the garden there, and uh, as he comes to them, uh, he says, Adam, why are you hiding? He says, well, I was naked. He says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat of? You remember what he does right off the bat? It's this woman. This woman you gave me, right? It's this woman. And he looks at her, and then she says, well, it was the devil. He tempted me and made me do it. Now, in saying this, when uh, Adam is saying, sounds like he's blaming the woman, but you remember how he says it. He doesn't just say this woman. He says, this woman that you gave me. If you hadn't given me this woman, it certainly wouldn't have happened. See, so really, God, you're as much to blame in this as I am. He's kind of blaming God. And I think that as the woman's blaming the serpent, she might have been thinking, you know, you made this, this critter so incredibly persuasive, and, and I didn't even know I was that gullible, but it happened. It's your fault for making this, this serpent that persuasive. It's really, God, it, you, it's your fault. Well, James is telling us, no, it's not God's fault, right? He's telling us, absolutely, it's not God's fault. In verse 13, he says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So is it really God's fault? Of course not. James tells us that, <clears throat> tells us that God cannot be tempted. His very character is that of pure holiness and righteousness. No evil can exist in his presence. Therefore, it would be impossible for him to be tempted by evil and to, to tempt anyone would be evil on his part. So you say, well, what about, what about Genesis 22? Right? Doesn't it say that God tempted Abraham? Well, there are certain translations that uses that language. Um, other English translations, I believe, probably get it a little better. God tested Abraham. There's a major difference between the temptation that we're talking about here, this temptation that is, is there with the, with the goal of making you fall as opposed to God's testing, which is to make us stronger and more dependent on him. God never tempts us or tests us with the, with the thought of causing us to fall. He tests us in order that we might be strong in him and continue to trust in him, that we might grow in him. God's testing of us is there to help us grow. Now, we would never, any one of us, would never blame God for our sin, would we? <clears throat> or would we say something like this, or maybe just think it, not say it out loud. This, this would not happen if God had not made that desire so strong in me. You ever hear that? especially in the homosexual community. They say, it can't be wrong because this is the way God made me. What are they doing? Blaming God for their sin. But that's not the truth. God does not tempt with sin, does not try to cause anyone to sin or to do that sort of thing. So if it's not God, where does this temptation come from? He says, first of all, it's not God. Then he goes on. Um, verse 14, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Where does it come from? It comes from within us, within ourselves. Uh, Jesus in Mark chapter 7, verse 20 he says, uh, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. It's not the things that are hitting him from outside. It's what's inside. From what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, our, for from, for from within out of men's hearts uh, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, uh, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Where, where does our temptation to do these things come from? It comes from inside. It comes from within me. Even Paul in Romans uh, chapter 17, uh, Romans 7 verse 17 says, Nothing good dwells within me that is within my flesh. He knows this is where the temptation comes from as well. The Westminster Confession of Faith in the 13th chapter talks about our sanctification 
uh, as a Christian, and it says that even as a Christian, even though God has changed us, even though God has given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome these temptations and stuff, the Westminster Confession says that the Christian has a continual and irreconcilable war with sin going on. But where does it come from? It comes from within us. In dealing with the temptations, we must, we must first of all own the temptation is ours and not try to pass blame onto God or to this woman or to the devil or whatever. We need to see the temptations are ours and coming from within us. So knowing that, knowing that the temptations come from within, within ourselves, how does, uh, how does that temptation happen? Uh, the, uh, James tells us in verse 14, he says, Each one uh, is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. These words, dragged away and enticed, are verbs that are used of hunting and fishing. You know I'm going to like this one, right? You see, I, I not only like to fly fish, but I like to tie my own flies. And I like to, to see if I can fulfill the creation mandate, the creation mandate ruling and subduing the earth. I'm doing my part by ruling and subduing the fish that are biting, you know. And I, so I tie these flies that are going to trick them, and they're going to, they're going to, I need to make it look yummy. It has to look like something that's so enticing. And when it gets in their, in their zone, they've got to go, that, that, i got to get that one before my buddies get it. And they think this is going to be, I might not have to eat again for a week, right? This, this fly looks so good. So they're going to go for it. It's, and they're thinking, this is what I'm wanting. But when they actually get it, once they've been enticed by it, and they go after it, and they take it, it's not quite what they thought. It's not nearly it doesn't make them nearly as happy as they thought it would. I know it doesn't because they're flouncing everywhere. Let go of me. Screaming if they could at me. But this is what James says our evil desires do. They entice us to think that what they're offering is so wonderful that we, can't, we just can't pass it up. This is good. This is, what I, this is what I need. This is what will fill me up. Doing this will make me happy. But so much like the fish who thought that fly was going to be just perfect for him doesn't make him happy. And when we go ahead and fall to that temptation, it's like us taking the bait. We're enticed by it. And we go after it. And we bite it. But it's not nearly as satisfying once we've done that than maybe we thought. Temptation doesn't satisfy Giving in to the temptation doesn't satisfy. You remember Genesis 3? Once again, the lady is told, you can eat from that tree. God's not going to kill you. He just doesn't want you to be just like him, knowing good from evil. So she takes it, says, looks pretty good. She bites it, says, oh, tastes pretty good too. And then she gives it to Adam. 
And he takes it and he eats it. He goes, hmm, that tastes pretty good. And all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they say, but we're naked. Maybe we ought to go hide now, right? We don't want God seeing us like this. And immediately, what they thought they were going to get by being disobedient to God, by, by giving in to this temptation, it doesn't produce what they were hoping for. In fact, it, it actually produces death. Uh, we see that in verse 15 here where James says, Then after a desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is how temptation works. It says, it looks good. This is what you want to do. This will fulfill you. This will make you happy. And the next thing you know, you've gone for it. And you're a fish on a line, flouncing everywhere, saying, this is not what I wanted at all. And ultimately brings about death. So, that's uh, how we see temptation happening. What can we do about it? Is the question, how do we overcome temptation that's down inside of us? How do we overcome that temptation? And I think James is telling us exactly how to overcome that temptation in verses 16 through 18, where he says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. How can we keep from being deceived and enticed by these temptations that come up from inside of us? Instead of being enticed by what will ultimately lead to death, James says, enjoy the good gifts that God has given you. Enjoy the good gifts that God has given to you. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the above, from the uh, Father of heavenly lights. Our, our salvation, our justification, our uh, communion with the saints, our communion with God are all gifts that God has given to us. Even our ability to believe and have faith in Him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? Even the faith that we have, that we place in, in Jesus as our Savior, that is a gift. So instead of looking at all these other things and thinking how enticing it looks and how that could satisfy us, we need to realize you think we would from experience, but we don't. Instead of being enticed by that, he says, look at all the good things God has given to you. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from him. What are some of the other good gifts? We talked about our salvation, uh, um, our justification, the communion of the saints, communion with the Father. He's given us some other good gifts as well, right? He's given us his word word right here in, in our own language that we can read it and understand. He's given us the, the communion of the saints. He's given us prayer. He's, uh, he's given us the ability to come to Bible studies and, and church worship services like this. 
We need to constantly be thinking of the good things that God has given us. And so when that temptation comes and it, and it says, look how enticing this is, say, no, that's, that's not what I want. I want instead to be dwelling on the good things that God has given to me. We're to avail ourselves of all these good things and continually to praise and glorify God for them. John MacArthur has said uh, the negative side uh, is that God could never produce evil. He is good. The positive side is he produces unending and unabounding good that makes a person a fool who would be tempted to be lured away to some baited hook or baited trap when all the goodness of God is available by his grace. Instead of being enticed by these these temptations coming up from within us, look at all that God has given us, the wonderful gifts that God has given us. Why would, why would we ever want to go after the enticements that bring about sin and death, especially when God has provided every good gift and every perfect gift to us? So I think James is telling us the way to overcome these temptations is to... Um, it is to, to look at what God has given us. Put our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Remember the wonderful grace that he has given us in Christ. I think that that's what James is saying. As a Christian, when you encounter temptations, these temptations that will bring about sin, don't look at the enticement that is there and think that's so good. Instead, look at the good gifts and the perfect gifts that God has given to us. Look to Jesus, his own son, who he sent to die for you. Mark Twain once wrote uh, something to the effect that uh, a church was a place where the good and upright went to hear how they needed to be good and upright. Right? But he was wrong, you know. The church and the Bible and prayer are all means that God uses to enable those of us who are so easily entangled and enticed by the lure of temptations. The church and the Bible and prayers are, are, are these things God has given us to see that these, these enticements don't bring about a good end, but they bring about an awful end. And instead, we are to see the wonderful grace that God has given us in every good and every perfect gift. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we are once again reminded of what it looks like to be a Christian, especially what it looks like to be a Christian as we're um, enticed with these temptations that come up from within us, Lord, we know that uh, even as the confession of faith tells us, it, it's going to be an ongoing battle until, until we're glorified. But help us more and more, Lord, to see the good and the perfect gifts that you have given us, that we might not be enticed by these temptations that would bring about death. I pray that we would do this for your honor and your glory. And that in the power of your Holy Spirit this week, you would continue to strengthen us and remind us of the goodness 
that, that you have given us and all the good things that you have given us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.